We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Glad to hear. I'm doing well as well. Good. Special bonus episode. Exactly. Another one of these, because we got plenty of films arriving in theaters in the next few weeks, and we want to make sure we talk about uh, as many of these uh, notable ones as we can, especially if the given the, the award season of it all. Uh, we want to we want to be on the record in establishing that we had thoughts on some of these movies. <laughs> I think I think we want to be more on the record of like, yes, we are a movie podcast that talks about a lot of movies yeah. that are being released. <laughs> and that's exactly what we're doing here uh, for this bonus episode. We're talking The Holdovers. This is the latest film from the director and writer out right out, just director, uh, uh, Alexander Payne. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's exactly what we're going to do. And that's the only thing we're going to do. So I'm going to say, let's do it. Let's get to our review for The Holdovers. Sir, I don't understand. That's glaringly apparent. I can't fail this class. Oh, don't sell yourself short, Mr. Coates. I truly believe that you can. Every year at Barton Academy, students, faculty, and staff depart the campus for a two-week winter break. But there are always an unfortunate few who have nowhere to go for the holidays. They're known as the holdovers. Mr. Hunnam. Hello, Mary. I had you got stuck with babysitting duty this year. How'd you manage that? You know, he used to be a student, right? Yeah, that's why he knows how to inflict maximum pain on us. I thought all the Nazis were hiding in Argentina. Stifle it, Tully. You just earned yourself a detention, sir. Being here with you is already one big detention. Son of a bitch, that's another detention! Do you think I want to be babysitting you? No, I was praying your mother would pick up the phone or your father would arrive in a helicopter or a flying saucer. My father's dead. All right, that should have been some of the trailer for The Holdovers. It's been a minute since we've heard from Alexander Payne. Downsizing was his last film, a 2017 satire that didn't receive the best marks for Payne's uh, filmography. And he's since been attached to various projects that didn't come through for him, including The Burial and The Menu, films that have been Mm. released since, among other things. But he's now back, and he's reteamed with Sideways star Paul Giamatti, who plays a classics professor, Paul Hunnam, at a prestigious New England boarding school in 1970. It's December. And Paul has essentially been roped into overseeing the students staying on campus during the holiday break. This eventually leaves just one student, Angus Tully, a smart but mischievous kid. Along with Mary, the cafeteria administrator, this small group sets out to make the most of their isolated holiday season, even if it leads to various excursions and other means for these people to find a connection to each other. Wow. You wrote that? I did write that. There you go. (laughs) Thanks. Very comprehensive. (laughs) Very comprehensive, I will say. I had some extra time today. I put some thought into these things as I normally do. Abe, what did you think of the holdovers? Uh, what a delightful movie! I did not watch any of the trailers. I I knew of the title of this movie, um, but purposely did not seek anything out and kind of just went in as blind and as cold as I could. Um, and as the film unfolded itself, it was such a such a treat. I mean, Alexander Payne is no mystery uh, to making human movies where there's a lot of relationships involved, whether that be father and son, like Nebraska, or uh, one of my favorites from, I think, 2015, 16, The Descendants with George Clooney. Earlier, Uh, that's like 2011. Wow. Whoa. Yeah, 2011. Yeah, it's our first year. Moondog. Okay. Um, But (laughs) I... I, Yeah, the holdovers is a delightful little movie, um, and I mean that in the in the most positive sense. There's not a whole lot that really goes on. Um, at one point, I thought to myself, "Oh, well, I guess this is going to be a, a large ensemble 
um, of a piece. And then a helicopter arrives and, and it just becomes a trio. And that trio, uh, the more that you learn about each of these characters and you, you do learn about each one of them, um, individually as the, the stories unfold throughout the movie, um, it just, it's just what, what a magnificent and wonderful and, and warm movie. So I, I could not like this more than I do. Um, and I would definitely recommend people check it out in theaters. Uh, yeah, I have no real <laughs> disagreement with you and what you just said. I think this movie is a real delight. It's the kind of movie where I'm just happy to be in this world with these people for this mm-hmm. amount of time. And if they wanted to give me more of that, I'd be all for it because it's such a, a fine experience. Um, we can talk about specifics more as we go through this, but I mean, I I like Payne in general. I'm a big fan of his work. I mean, mm-hmm. even like Downsizing, which would be considered, I guess, the low point for him. It's not a movie that would, it's without charm. It has some highlights, but like, you know, I'm like a huge on Nebraska. Um, yeah. I've watched a number. I, I rewatched it again this week and it just, that movie works so well for me. It's not even my favorite pain movie, but I love that movie so much. Yeah. Um, and I, I bring that up because this movie reminded me a lot of that kind of zone for him. Kind of this kind of a hangout movie where you just kind of whiff characters for a while um, as they kind of go through a some, you know, like small character arcs and what have you. It's like nothing that's world shattering as far as what they have to deal with, but just like you get involved in their lives and you see just enough to see how things are, how they got that way, and where they're going to go from here. And that obviously that obviously describes a lot of pain movies, but I mean, this just works so well as far as giving you three key performances that tap into different things and giving you an environment that I think is really fitting for the story we're being told. This mm-hmm. could easily be a modern day film if you wanted it to be, but no, we're set in the 70s and there's there's reasons for that too. Right. And it also adds a certain feel for the aesthetic of this film. Um, I want to talk more about things individually but i'll just make note that the the key thing that i really locked into watching this movie the first time and i'd be happy to see it again is the casting beyond just the leads the fact that this is a movie set in 1970 in new england i think the casting is outstanding in the film as far as seeing faces that look like they belong in 1970 yeah i i had a very similar remark like there's it's very it, you know you can cast extras you can get costumes and whatnot and make it you know a, resemble a certain period but mm-hmm. this looks like a film that like you're just dropped into 1970. And I found that to be yeah. very impressive. Even the logo at the beginning for Focus Features is like a retro style. Kind of a throwback. Yeah. yeah. And Focus didn't exist until 2001. But like, right. So like, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, these cheeky like, buggers. Yeah. So I just, it seems like, it felt like, honestly, it felt like a companion to something like Licorice Pizza. Like this is the East Coast version of Licorice Pizza. <laughs> uh, as far as just kind of the things we're seeing and the way it's like, not outlandish, but there's like big moments of comedy, but still sure. it's very low key throughout most of the movie. Uh, but yeah, no, I was just a big, I was a big fan of this up and down. Yeah, uh, I also made that remark in my own head uh, when I was taking notes, which is um, I I said it like a while ago on some on some review that the kid that was in one movies has like iPad face where it's clear that he knows what an iPad looks like. Okay. Um, and I was thinking about these characters too, and like specifically like uh, Angus Tully and even like the the other f- people that he's with. Yeah. Um, to begin with, and I was like, oh, you know, it it really does fit. Like it does look like they are in a period piece and they they don't look as i don't know if the word polished is correct as you know today's standards um but they they just don't look like they they are a 21st century person they they look like it was really like 1970 and obviously giamatti is you know he, he can time travel uh, yeah. anywhere he needs to <laughs> but yeah i agree with you that there there's that really helps out too and i think that maybe we talked about this 
Um, I forget with with what I brought it up a little recently because I mentioned this movie specifically Mm -hmm. as far as like casting works. But yeah, Mm -hmm. no, I I, yeah, it's come up a little bit. Yeah. But there was also like the other thing that we talked about, which is um, when we when you cast people, I think we might have talked this during like a horror movie episode. um, When you cast people that you don't really know that well, it kind of helps you immerse into the story even more. You know what? Um, I think I know it. It's when evil lurks. It's that Argentinian movie because it it's Argentinian. There's not stars that like we're familiar with all that well. So, yeah. So seeing like Dominic Sessa, you know, Divine Joy Randolph. Um, and even like Carrie Preston, who plays a, a, a teacher slash administrator aide uh, in the movie, like these are people that I, I'm not very familiar with uh, and I don't know their work that well. And I'm sure that they're up and comers to some degree, but it really helped me just really dive into their their story. So, yeah, big kudos on uh, the casting and also just I think I don't know if they added like uh, post post edit grain into the movie or if they if, if he actually shot on film. But that also helps out, too, with the aesthetic. Yeah, I haven't read enough about the movie to know what they go went for as of yet. Um, but either way, like it's a good looking movie. Um, right. I think it it really captures that mood quite well. Um, oh, this yeah. is digital, so it, it probably added some some stuff later. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, still looks good when you have directors yeah, that great. kind of know what they're doing and know what they're asking for. That you know, it, it goes a long way. I mean, like yeah. you know, like uh, we can keep going back to Fincher all we want to, but he knows how to make things look a certain way, just regardless of whatever camera he's using. <laughs> so, sure. yeah. um, so the, we've talked about the casting. Let's talk about the cast. Um, sure. Up and down, all great. Let's start with Giamatti, um, who it's not like he's been away from movies, but he's certainly, you know, he's been on billions. He's been doing more TV stuff as of late. Right. So it feels like we haven't gotten as many like, Hey, Giamatti's here for a fun supporting role kind of thing. And here right. he is right up in the lead part. Yeah. And he's just knocking it out. I mean, he like, it's a, you get like, you get it. You get a character like this who has little details and quirks about himself. Like he has an eye. That's a little lazy. You have like these. Yeah. Think that like other actors, it's not like it's impossible for anyone else to do something like this, but like other actors would certainly like milk the things that are about these characters. Um, honestly, I can think of like Christian Bale in the big short who also has like a glass eye. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's not like he's bad, but it's like, there's just something extra going on that a subtler performance would maybe make that work better. This mm-hmm. Giamatti knows how to do this stuff. Like he plays this so well. It feels like such a lived in character. Mm-hmm. And it's so impressive that he's playing a person that could be unlikable very easily, but there's such a weird kind of charisma around him where you can't help but like want to be engaged with what he's doing as flawed as a person as he may be, because mm-hmm. you know he's inviting you to learn more about him. Yeah, uh, Giamatti's excellent in this. I agree with you uh, about the lead role stuff because I've I've largely seen him in TV shows recently as of late yeah. and very small bit parts, right? Mm-hmm. So whether it's like Amazing Spider-Man 2 where he just shows up for like a, a quick cameo kind of thing. In an uh, Academy Award winning, deserving performance is the Rhino. <laughs> yeah, but him leading this movie uh, was a surprise to me because I haven't, like we've seen Paul Giamatti lead movies, I think, co-lead movies, I think, but I don't know if, it's rare that he gets, yeah, it's rare that he gets like, unless it's like a really small, a indie small film. indie movie. Yeah. Um, even that hasn't happened for a while. Even that, that's, you know, that ended back in like the 2000s with like, some, yeah, like, like, the, movies, the, like the, sideways or exactly like the end not. of like the 2000s um, into the 2010s. It looks like Lady in the Water was like the last time he, he led like a big movie. And even that is like, you know, he's know, an terrible, area, right? 
No, he's the lead, he's the lead in the movie. I'm saying that's like the last time he was oh. the lead of a film. Like that's 2006. Okay. Right. Like that's yeah. Wild. So Giamatti, the way that he plays everything too, I think that there was like subtleties about his physical appearance that I wasn't sure of as well. And the movie addresses it to me, and I was like, oh, okay. So I wasn't you know seeing things, no pun intended. Um, and I also I also had a really good experience with him being the central character that I'm supposed to follow, and I was like. I think I'm supposed to like this guy, but he's also coming off as like this, like, you know, uh, brass, brash asshole professor uh, mm. guy. And he's not very likable, but he also does like weird, stupid things like what you're just what you're just mentioning. So, again, his little story arcs are what I like about this movie entirely is that not everybody has. I mean, everybody does have an arc. But it's not as though they all have to like follow sequentially. Like, you know, they're not all just happening all at the same time. So we resolve everything individually. It actually flows fairly like, you know, uh, up and down throughout the entire movie, mm-hmm. maybe with like some heights for everybody at different points, which I, I found fascinating as a as a story device. For sure. I I agree. I, I do I... want to talk about his humor very quickly as well. Cause you mentioned that there's humorous things in this movie. And there are. There's there's actually a lot of like funny dry silly things but also just you know laugh out loud stuff uh, but one of the dry silly things that i really enjoyed about him is um he just walks outside one day and he picks up a football and he throws it very terribly and i was mm-hmm. like this is hilarious good paul giamatti everybody like give him a hand it's the kind of thing where he's playing a guy who's basically an alcoholic the movie's doing everything but saying that he's an alcoholic and yeah, yeah. The, the way that it plays with that i think is quite effective because it does show like the residual effects of being someone that's both not realized their potential and does basically have an illness. I mean, like it, let alone other factors about, you know, his, you know, the problems with him physically and whatnot, but like it, it's just all those little details. I think that just really add up. And then we, you know, eventually that turns, it turns into a buddy movie of sorts, as far as his relationship with, with Angus. Sure. Um, and we should talk about that now too. Let's talk about yeah, Dominic, Dominic yeah. Sessa, who this is his first movie. Oh, um, I didn't know. Okay. It's, a, it's a debut performance, whether he's acted before, I'm sure there's maybe some experience sure. but regardless. It's just, for all extents and purposes, it's his debut film. And what a great find. <laughs> like this yeah. guy's kid, this kid's great. Yeah, he literally has no other credits on IMDb. Like, there's <laughs> there's nothing there. So like, maybe maybe it's a community theater that's not listed yet. Yeah. So like, yeah. literally, debut performance and wonderful. He is he is this he he has great little stinker energy. <laughs> yeah, that's like I put it. He he is a perfect like foil as far as someone that clearly possesses like intelligence. Clearly could like a few degrees a different direction and he'd be fine. But like he's just finding the right beats to be like mischievous and annoyed and annoying. And it's mm-hmm. just it all it works really well as a counter to Paul's character, who Paul, who clearly sees the potential in this kid, clearly gets that he's smart. But it's also like, well, we're stuck together. And that like that creates <laughs> that creates a, a comedic tension that really works well. Yeah, uh, I kind of want to talk about like one of the themes of just um, human potential, like what you're talking about and kind of. Again, I think this movie delves deeply uh, with, and I'll talk about Angus in a second here too, but I think that um, Payne kind of delves deeply, and also the writer. I forget who the writer is. The writer is uh, David Hemmingson, who's a lot Hemmingson. of, who's mainly done TV work, and this okay. even was going to be considered for like a TV series at some point, but they turned it I could it see that as prestige TV, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I one of the themes is just um, sort of who we project ourselves to be versus who we actually are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really found that fascinating as it, evolves over a lot of characters in this movie even 
even side characters that are very small. Um, but yeah, for Dominic, uh, who plays Angus, I, I found that character, he, he has to play a lot of shades. Um, not just like the, um, the, the, the stink ant piss ant kind of guy, but he's got a lot of emotional depth too. And I, I kind of surprised, pleasantly shocked that this is his first movie because he's able to, to, uh, carry all of that and portray all of that on the screen, um, as first of all, he, he kind of comes off as like this asshole. And then later he just becomes this character that you're, you're actually kind of rooting for. Um, and, and you feel bad for in various yeah. ways. Right. And so it's actually pretty great that uh, he's able to do all this and again, look like he belongs in the 1970s. Might've been the hair, might've been the, the clothing and costume, but at the same time, I think it's like the attitude too. Like the attitude doesn't feel like the 1990s kid or 2000s kid or 2023 kid. It feels like a kid that probably hasn't been acting too long, so he doesn't have these other things to work on. That's so actually a just, good point. Yeah. It's just more natural for whatever reason. And then again, that goes to Payne and his casting director of mm-hmm. just like, hey, I want people that fit this. And, you know, like, I, I think that there's like that joke about, you know, you go into a Hollywood uh, casting office and you see a bunch of people that might be like 17 through 21 and mm-hmm. they're all either have had like 10 years of experience. So, yeah, if Dominic didn't have that experience and he kind of came off more naturally more power to the people that made this movie. And he's also like, he's tall, but lanky. And it's yeah, like, it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a look that fits for this. It's unique because he, you know, he towers over the other, you know, the two adult characters, but he's also, you know, gawky. Like he's, it's like, he just, yeah. he, just he feels like a kid despite being as large as he is. It's yeah. Just... That's exactly how it felt too. I was like, he's still like growing into his body, which I think really helps with like the length part, length part, uh-huh. because I didn't know, I don't know how old Dominic actually is, but in the, in the movie, he's supposed to play like a 16, 17 year old kid. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like at parts, I was like, oh, he does look like he's, I don't know. The, the person I thought about a lot was like Holden Caulfield because Holden is like, you know, yeah, he, for sure. That's just this is very much evoking like that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, he's described as like the 17-year-old, you know, uh, brat at at a private school who pretends to try and be older, right? So it kind of gave me some of that that vibe. Um, he's not as, as I think, as like interesting as Holden is perhaps, but, um, you know, he, he certainly brings a lot to the table too, especially when, because again, this becomes a trio effectively after maybe 20 minutes um, and he has to do certain things with, other characters not just paul giamatti but he also will like has to interact with mary lamb a lot too just some brief skimming i've just done he he literally came off like a high school play and Payne found him in an audition so he's a high school kid like he's, he is of yeah. the age that he's playing in this movie which is perfect yeah um, good imdb photo <laughs> Doing good the job. Shot. yeah um so the other performance here is divine joy randolph yeah who now i've already explained how paul giamatti is terrific and we've already we just talked about dominic says who's great I think she's the MVP of this film. I, I think that she is absolutely great in this role. I, I think it's the, the, the role I could both find the most empathy in. And like, while I'd be certainly happy if like Giamatti got like, you know, awards consideration and wound up mm-hmm. in that five, I feel like this is the perfect kind of supporting role performance that gets those kind of nominations where she's in it just enough to leave an impact. Every scene that she's involved in has meaning to it. And it's just mm-hmm. a really strong performance. Mm-hmm. I thought she was really great in Dolomite is my name where she kind of broke out oh. as an actor. Yeah. Um, and then since then she's gotten more, ro- she's gotten more notoriety. She's gotten more roles and they've largely yeah. been like comedic things or just stuff. That's, you know, not terrible, but certainly, you know, not like in putting her in the same spotlight as that movie did. Sure. And this is like the role that, that I saw with that movie where she just feels so fitting for all of this and a nice counter to these two guys where right. she's playing this, 
not a widow. She, I don't know what the word is. She's playing no, a mother she, who's she's she's playing like a mother a, who's a, grieving for her yeah, lost son, a grieving mother, yeah, uh, who's who her son was killed in Vietnam, yep. and so and it's her first holiday without that. Yeah. Now beyond ways that I can relate to that in various forms, like it's just it's just a it's a good character role. It's a good yeah. kind of position to put somebody in and like how to act that, and it still like doesn't break the fact that this is ostensibly a comedy and there's humor that comes away yes. from yeah. the, way, the way these people interact with each other. Um, and even the fact that, you know, she is a black woman in the seventies with these people. Mm-hmm. I would say, I don't think the movie like entirely sweeps that under the rug. I wouldn't say it becomes a main point of question with this movie, just because the kind of characters we're dealing with don't really have to necessarily address that, but it's, the, it lingers there a bit as well. And it's like, yeah. There's certainly like one one asshole kid who mm-hmm. is much more um, overt about it, who is not in the movie very long. For sure. And having Alexander Payne, a white filmmaker and a white writer that, you know, have this character in there. And it's specifically, I assume, designed to be that way. The fact that they're able to kind of pay that off in its own way without it like being the thing that overtakes the film. I found yeah. to, I found to be effective um, in addition to, you know, the work going into just this role in general. So no, I was yeah. a big fan of, of her character. Everything you said, but I think the thing that I'll kind of just hark on is um, she has a lot of subtle moves in this movie mm-hmm. that spreads its warmth throughout the entire picture that you're seeing on the screen. So whether that is her inviting Paul Giamatti to sit down on the couch while they drink some uh, some bourbon together while watching uh, a, a game show at night, or her just holding Angus's hand as like you know things are unfolding with um, his yeah. mother and his, like his step father or i guess his mother's boyfriend just, yeah yeah um and then things like just looking out a window which kind of caught me off guard at first i was like why is this woman looking out a window and kind of just looking remorseful um or just sitting quietly in a church um at a pew and um just letting the the weight of the of the uh like of the entire what's the word i'm looking for like all the moving parts of a frame you know sink in with you and so it's very strong in that way so i can definitely see like a supporting role um kind of uh, a high caliber you know praiseworthy supporting role for divine joy randolph because she's bringing a lot even though she's she doesn't have a ton of lines compared to paul giamatti and dominic sessa mostly because her character is not of you know she she shouldn't go to private school either um so she uh, certainly has like much more of like a a, a down to earth feel, um, yeah. but again, it spreads throughout the entire picture. Um, at various points, she does have points of of high emotion, uh, and I'm thinking more specifically like a like Christmas dinner party. But mm. even that, like what you said there, it's played for. I mean, the entire movie itself is not about depth and despair and depression and death. It's a little bit more about again humans coming together and, and understanding each other and empathy. Um, and maybe even sympathy to some degree at a and, time when they're all at their low, like it's, correct, yeah. you know, from a, where they are in their current lives, like they're, right. they're at a low point, but yes, it's not, it's not thriving on how desperate we can make these people feel. Yeah, it's, exactly. how they, it's how instead they try to basically pull each other out of the mud. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, that's, that's, uh, uh, exactly. So like the reason why I bring that up when that scene happens is because the cut scene when they're outside is like, she's fine. You know what I mean? She's just like, just get in the car. You, I think you've been drinking too much kind of thing. And it's like, it, it's not one of those things that will linger that everybody's emotional arc is so deep and distraught that you're just like, oh my gosh, these people must have terrible lives uh, if it wasn't for this Barton school that they're all at. It's like, that's actually not the case. I think the case here that Payne is trying to say is like, everybody 
is sort of more or less like the same on, on different levels. Like it, the more you get to understand somebody and, and learn from them, you know, the more that you're able to understand that they, the reason why they are the way that they are. And that's again, present in all of his movies. Um, you know, the example, again, I brought up the descendants last or earlier is mostly because George Clooney's ex-wife is dating like some younger guy, but he, no, he kind of his, understands why she did she did it's it. His, he's it's a, his wife. He's really it's, asshole. It's, it's she's cheating on him. That's the that's exactly the, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, so she's it's his current him, wife. She's he finds out that she's yeah. cheating within through, the course of the what's accident. Happened. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, he he's like, I could see why why people might do that to him or, or whatever the case is. Right? He's he's kind of like this weird controlling asshole kind of guy. But um, again, uh, he actually um, understands her point of view later in, in the movie too, which is a very poignant moment. But for this movie, I, I enjoyed all the performances and. Well, we've talked about the three main cast. There are or, like a plethora quick, of others. There are, and yeah. and yeah, I mean, yeah, these are three that like just deliver so well. Right. Like, who I mean, they're, the they're there for like ninety percent of the movie for sure. Just to to add to what you're saying, real quick, the the thing about having like big moments like this, like that the the Christmas party, or just like moments where things get you know more pronounced as far as what's taking place. What I like is that the film doesn't go out of its way to embarrass any of our characters. It's not trying to make cringe humor out of any of this. Not that that's like inherently bad, but it's like there's not a there's not a point where the film wants to like shun them for their behaviors in a very Correct. broad way. There or are broad, even as individuals as for characters. sure, and there's yeah. there's broad moments of comedy for sure, and they're welcome, they're funny, but mm -hmm. it does have a way of like it it doesn't need to go out of its way to like create a situation that would be more of a cliche. Like this film in yeah. general, like it rides a certain kind of narrative arc that's not unfamiliar, but it's it's not like riding on tropes either. It's not it doesn't become like Dead Poet Society or something you've seen before when it comes to like teacher children, uh, teacher student relationship movies or anything like that. It has yeah, its... and and I think it doesn't have like that that kind of weird thing of like art is important, like in Dead Poet Society. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's also not like it's not about the knowledge that this person as a professor has imparted to his yeah. students. It's more about. Again, I think be, it's more about how to like, grow up. <laughs> yeah, gotta... I think I think it's actually more about like human dynamics of just like, well, this guy is a professor and teacher, and I'm his student, and I've seen him as a professor and teacher. He's like he's this hard nosed asshole, and this woman who just serves me my food during the lunchtime that I I hardly see. It's like okay, well, what happens when you have to get to know these people? You have to get to know these people. You know what I mean? Like you can't go anywhere, and you're you're kind of being stuck at school. Hence the holdover's name. But it's like when you have to get to know these people, you find out that everybody's fairly flawed too. You know, I think one of the, my favorite moments in this movie, which is kind of played for laughs, but is pretty pretty serious, is Paul Giamatti and uh, Paul, uh, Mister Hunnam, 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 and Hunnam, uh, yeah. Angus are kind of just like ice skating and then he bumps into one of his Paul John bumps into one of his college roommates or college um uh colleagues and they have like this weird you know hilarious but but uh, uh you know maybe live filled uh conversation and it it lingers it continues until they go to like the liquor store afterward and mm -hmm. again it's more of uh, seeing Paul uh and understanding that he also was maybe a percent back in the day, but he also has good intentions. is is a rewarding feeling as you're watching these lives unfold, for sure. Yeah. Uh, what else? Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, Alexander Payne in, in general. Uh, again, you mentioned that he hasn't done uh, something since downsizing, um, but uh, does he usually write his own work? Uh, off and on. Uh, okay. He, yeah. I mean, and even this, like, he's not credited as a writer, but I'm sure he has like a hand in all the projects sure. he he. Um, 
Actually, yeah, I mean, pretty much everything except Nebraska and the holdover is the only one where he's not credited. Everything else he okay. has, so he has a writing credit on. So, okay, yeah. So yeah, yeah. and it, and again, even then, as a you know a director slash writer, I'm sure he, you know, has a say to a point when it comes to making films that aren't directly written by him. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and the question is largely just more of um, how do you feel about actor? I'm sorry, director writers uh, versus just like writers that that pick up a script. I mean, what what works with them works with them. I mean, like like Fincher is not a writer. Uh, speaking of Fincher, it's on the mind. I feel um, like he's got a lot of fingerprints on. But he has a lot of fingerprints on his things, and he works yeah. with his, where he works with the people he's comfortable with. But then again, right. buddy, I mean, he's also worked with people that are known for their writing with Gillian Flynn and and um, Aaron Sorkin. Mm-hmm. I mean, like these are Steve Zalian on Dragon Tattoo. Like these are people that that are writers, and he's yeah. a he is a guy that will get in the weeds with them and like you know you know push the project along to get them to get it to where he's comfortable filming it but you know right. it's it, it you know so a lot of it a lot of it comes down to just you know what the what the filmmaker is comfortable with like what makes it work for them you know obviously yeah. yes there's double threats as far as people that write and direct very specifically and very much like to be the author of their material sure uh tarantino seems like an obvious example yeah, of that Cone one. brothers but there's cones of course the song like spielberg he's a guy that yeah he doesn't write i mean he sometimes he does he's very, got partners though he's got part he's got part people he, has, he enjoys he has people he works yeah. with frequently and i'm talking you know i'm talking about people at like the top sure. of the list right, right. you want to go down certain roads when it's like I don't know. Like the Hunger Games comes out next week, and that's directed by Francis Lawrence, but he's not a writer. Um, he, mm-hmm. He's directed the fast, you know, the, the the majority of that series, but he has different mm-hmm. writers, including like Michael Art. If people come onto those, like, sure. But like the, you know, I don't think the it, it, it's it's never a thing to me if I've where I look at a film and I'm like, this is better because it's the writer and director as opposed to just the director. It it really comes yeah. down to the movie. I think it. it I bring this up because I was surprised by uh, how much I, I, I enjoyed this movie, obviously. But I think because there are times where um, a writer's vision is different from a director's vision um, and that can clash. But this one seemed to to hold over pretty well and hold over pretty well. <laughs> uh, but I, I was thinking more specifically around um, I think the Coens wrote a script and it was not directed by them. And you could just feel that it was off. Um, and in this movie, I if. It's like because they have there's two it's not like the, a pain movie. You know there's I mean? t- there's two great examples involving the Coens that you have right there. One is Bridge of Spies, which they which they wrote. Yeah, not and the one I was thinking of. I know it's I know it's not, but I'm saying, but that movie rules. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, it hey, Spielberg. Help. It doesn't hurt that you yes, you have one of the best directors alive making it, but still they co- yeah. they wrote that movie and another director made it and it's a success. The other one is Suburbicon, directed That's... by George Clooney, which yeah. is awful, <laughs> which is a yeah. terrible movie. And right. it, and and it's very it's written to be very much a Coen Brothers kind kind of film, and right. it very much shows what those people do to make those movies work versus people that try to do their stuff and it doesn't work. Right. And so that's why when, when you mentioned that David Henning, something, uh, Jesus, uh, the writer of the movie. Yes. Uh, when he did a lot of TV, I, that's why I was like, Oh, I, I, I was kind of thinking that maybe he did a lot of like prestige drama series. Um, but I looked at his IMDb very quickly. I was like, Oh, he's got like no. a lot of like comedy TV. Yeah. It's a lot of comedy TV. Yeah. yeah. And so that really shocked me too. That's why I was wondering like, Hey, is, is it weird to you when actor, I'm sorry, when, when writer directors, they take on a project and it's actually, you know, it works off very well. Uh, and so, you know, I, again, hit or miss here and there. Most of I, it is not written and directed by the same person anyway. And but. certainly when we're, when we're talking about films, coming out now with certain kinds of directors i more or less expect them to i more or less expect the material to like feel fitting yeah. you know it, you know it, it's one thing if we're talking about like 
random movies that come out in the spring or something like that that aren't going to be very memorable but if talking yeah. about like the new alexander payne film starring paul giamatti i kind of feel like it's going to have the feeling of an alexander payne movie that works in tandem with whatever the writer's up to sure um the other question i had for you was just along the lines of um uh you mentioned dead post society earlier and i also had a dead post society feeling mostly because of the private school boarding school what have you but where does this fit in your uh not even echelon but where does this fit in your private school type of uh movies and you probably don't have a, a ranking system in i'm not asking you to but more of just like hey is this one one that you'd probably go and revisit pretty often um i would certainly revisit it because i think Payne's films are very watchable yeah in, in, in general how many times have you seen nebraska uh, a lot um yeah, I'd say i mean like a handful at, of times. yeah at least four or five at this point uh well four i know for sure because i could i know i've watched it twice when it came out and i've watched <laughs> it a couple times since i've owned it so yeah go. at least four times um but yeah i mean it's like i'm trying to think of like private school movies and like rushmore well, yeah that's exactly and, the one and, I was thinking and, of. and i've watched rushmore over and over again yeah uh, or like school of rock is a private school movie i mean that movie oh, rules yeah. i mean so it's like yeah i, I mean it certainly fits in the I would imagine higher realm of private school films. Um, and I mean, it's like, I don't know where it is in my pain ranking, right? Which I do have on Letterboxd. Oh, you have a pain ranking? Yeah, yeah I've seen all his movies. I can rank his movies. Yeah. Uh, that's how that's how I do my Letterbox rings. If I've seen all their movies, I'll, I'll do the rankings. <laughs> okay, <laughs> got it, got it. Yeah. And it, and if it's like, you know, like four or five movies, if it's like three movies, I'm like, we can wait. I don't need to move my Letterboxd. Well, somebody's got second. gold, silver, bronze in that one. That's pretty yeah. easy. <laughs> But no, um, this, this sits comfortably like somewhere in you know the higher tier of that. I'm like, glad. Like Election yeah. is my favorite pain movie. Election, I think, is one of the best comedy wild of, movie of, of the '90s. Yeah. Um, so that that's a that's a just a favorite film in general would be. And then like yeah, Nebraska's right there. And then it's like sideways in this. Like I think, yeah. <laughs> but like I mean, none of it, like downsizing the only one where it's like eh, it's it's off, it's fine. And I have it. I put it on my Netflix queue because it's on Netflix, and I haven't seen it since I saw it in theaters. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, watch yeah. this. Maybe I'll find something more about this. But yeah, maybe there's like something to say about uh overpopulation or what something yeah but how about you where are you with with uh with this like private school films uh i i enjoy this one i would rewatch this because it's not just downtrodden downbeat it's it's fairly upbeat pretty funny with dry humor um but like what we were talking about with versus dead poet society it's it's just a different vibe even though they're kind of in the same i think the dead poet society is in the 50s but, you know, it's kind of like similar vibes in terms of um, parents maybe not wanting their kids over for, for a holiday break or parents having a very specific uh, strict regimen. They're whatever. tropes. Yeah. Like, and I, yeah, I, it's, yeah, I, the, I didn't bring up. So, like I brought the Dead Society as like an example of a film that that is doing a certain kind of formula. Whether or not you think that is doing that formula well, that's neither here nor there. What I was saying is I wasn't right. specifically thinking of that movie while watching this, but uh-huh. just thinking back on it and thinking what the plot of this movie is and what the arc is, I was comparing that to something that would be sure. in that realm. And yeah, that's certainly a movie yeah. that fits in that regard. And I, what I like, because I, I I think Dead So Poet Society is fine, but like I like this movie right. more because it's not riding on that kind of thing. Yeah, you don't have Red Foreman yelling at you that you're going to go to Harvard and be a doctor. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, no, in terms of my, my quote-unquote rankings, this would be... Uh, it's it's in the good mix. Like it, I I would say that if we were to this is actually a, a second question I have for you, which is just where does this fit in your holiday? Is this a holiday movie that you'd go and revisit? Um, but um, yeah, I I would I would tell people like yeah, if we're not doing anything and we're just like at home, um, uh, cooking dinner or something like that, let's let's throw on a movie like oh nobody's seen the holdovers. This is a good holiday movie. Let's watch this. Oh, it's certainly like yeah, as far as calling this out, it's like a thing I'd be happy to watch. Um, 
during a certain time of year. What I mean, regardless of that, I'd probably just watch right. this anyway. But even then, I mean, there's no Jews. So obviously, I mark it down for that. But I mean, it's <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> you don't. They did have a. They mentioned a Hanukkah <laughs> gift. It it is a boarding school for a very specific set of people. I very much doubt there are many Jews in this movie. But... <laughs> There's a Latter Day Saint. Like if Paul if if Paul Hunnam was Jewish, that would make this movie even better. <laughs> it's really really can't make him an outcast within the society that he's forced to instruct within. Oh my gosh! But uh, no, I no, I do think this is a a a solid watch as far as yes, it's set during a certain time a very a very autumnal winter watch I think. yeah yeah exactly and uh while they're not the same either another movie that came to mind when i was thinking about this um they're similar in some ways with with humans and learning more about them is um manchester by the sea sure um, yeah. which uh, new england you know dealing with people kind of coming to grips with who they are and who they who they might have been kind of thing um less funny than this movie obviously uh by a smidge yeah, by a smidge. Yeah, Less but, kids you know, dying in fires, so, you know. The the director, you know, just showing up to tell Casey Alvin to go fuck himself is pretty funny in Manchester by the Sea there. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that's another one where, I, that's why I was thinking about the writer-director thing, because he also wrote and directed that movie, Manchester by the Sea. So, um, it yeah, Lonergan's like a famous plate, right? So, yeah, he just right, does this, yeah. yeah. So, in any case, uh, in rotation, I would say. So, good on, good on uh, Paul Giamatti for that. Um, did you want to say something about the trailer or you said you go watch it back later? Uh, no, I just when I edited this, okay. I'll watch this because I, I haven't seen the trailer. I was saying I just haven't seen it in a while. So I'll be curious how much you matched it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> by the way, uh, good music in this movie. I, yes, I enjoyed the yeah, kind of very good music, like a low key jazz score mixed with familiar tunes and what have you. Yeah, like, and like just... some indie rock would it can would be considered indie rock today kind of thing. Sure. Um, with their intro and outro songs. Um, and then again, I heard a lot of holiday kind of choir songs. Uh, so I'm sure there are. I, I saw this movie a month ago, so right. like I'm, I'm sure I'm it, just not remembering every that's single. That's what brought that me into the season because uh, they've got that stuff. I wanted to ask you about the runtime. I didn't know about this because again, I kind of went in pretty cold. But are there times where things lull for you in this movie? I wouldn't say lull. I, I would say like it's a deliberately paced film. It's coming in over a little over two hours, which is not unfamiliar for some of pain movies mm-hmm. um but like but yeah it, it holds on to its to its characters enough because i think this movie likes its characters and so in a different form i could see things getting cut perhaps to make it a little tighter but no i, I would never say i was displeased with the amount of time i was spending here yeah yeah okay um, we did it yeah i think we talked a lot about this movie that we certainly uh, really liked a lot, and I'd say yeah. we both recommend seeing it in theaters while you can. Oh, right? sorry, was this a surprise to you, or were you looking forward to this movie? I was looking forward to this movie. Okay. I, I, I like Payne again. I think is a filmmaker that generally d- delivers good stuff. Yeah, you put Giamatti, probably they put Giamatti in a movie, and I'm happy. But like, put him back with Payne, I'm like, cool. Like, yeah, the, the a Sideways reunion. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I. You know, I, I more or less had an expectation and I was, I was happy to be satisfied by that. And then some, perhaps, I don't know. I don't, I don't really gauge it after, after sure. that point. It's like, I'm, no, I'm getting a good movie. So, yeah. Yeah. And again, I, I didn't know anything about it was pleasantly surprised. Last yeah, thing but that's a, that's, that's always fun to do. I, I'm yeah. certainly, uh, I, I'm in a position where I just, it's hard for me. Like I could go in somewhat blind to certain things, but like, yeah. that's a fun position to be in, to be like, yeah. there's a comedy. You got too many uh, colleague critics texting you about like, this was a good movie. So I get it. But well, but <laughs> you, 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 
<laughs> you, you going in to be like, here's a new Alexander Payne movie. Let's do it. And that's it. That's that's yeah. a that's a good position to be in. Yeah, it's a great position to be in. The last thing I want to mention is that when we talked with Scott and I uh, last week, yeah, um, we were talking about Paul Giamatti and we we're talking about like, who is Paul Giamatti in in uh, Saving Mr. Banks. And uh-huh. he, he is the driver for Emma Thompson. Not even remotely close to what I thought it would have been. No, not he's what I thought either. <laughs> yeah, he's just her driver that picks her up from the airport, you know, talks to her about how uh, maybe Americans might be this way or that way and drops her off. And... He's the wise driver, huh? Yeah, that's, that's, like, is... that's exactly it. So I, I watched a clip of it after we recorded. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I wanted to just cap it off that way. Nowhere near what I thought that role was. Yeah, okay. I was like, oh, he's probably just like, you know. And, the and you saying that, I can exactly picture it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you got it right. You got it right uh, okay well thank you for that that was very necessary i'm very yes, happy to get that exactly up that was good yeah. now, now i'm on the right page with a movie that i probably will not watch again <laughs> for a long time <laughs> or we'll just watch the very sad but very effective colin farrell scenes in that movie <laughs> very good that's when colin farrell was like i you know what? i'm gonna i'm gonna stop being this action guy i'm gonna be small bit movie parts but um Okay, well, I'm glad that that we have that knocked off the table yes, as far as lingering exactly. questions for out now. <laughs> right? Yeah, we did it. <laughs> um, well, as we established, I think we both say see this in theaters um, while it's yeah, out there. Yeah, very much so. It went to wide release this past week, so yeah, you have the chance. I would certainly, you know, in the middle of your Marvels and Hunger Games intake, uh, maybe put in a, the old, the old Giamatti as well. <laughs> Is that what they say? The old Geo. <laughs> uh yeah exactly do that doctor sideways <laughs> is sideways that's not the one that's not the wine one is it that is the wine one he's that not is a doctor one. Okay. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's, not, <laughs> he's not remotely a doctor in that movie. <laughs> yeah and if yeah. you want to talk about cringe comedy that's the that's what we're like it actually gets to be where where he like he takes the like, he's all pissed off and he takes the big jug of like all the wine that people spit out and, uh-huh. he, and he pours out on himself to like make a point and i'm like that's gross. <laughs> that is pretty it's, gross. It's hard for you to watch that scene straight. The good thing is, like, the props department is just like, this is just rose-colored water. <laughs> but just the the concept of that is like, and they've established yeah. it throughout the movie that's like, people spit people this. People spit, yeah. Dude, and spit it's like, takes. he just took all of that and put it himself. That's that's gross. <laughs> it's like when it's like when the uh, uh, in Back to the Future Part Three, when Marty gets um, uh, the tobacco spit jar stuck on his foot or something like that. Yeah, that's gross, gross too. Yeah. <laughs> That's not good at all. <laughs> nobody, nobody wants that. Like, I'll take the manure all day. At least I know, like, that's where that's coming from, and it's like partially fertilized. <laughs> like, that's fine. That's. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to answer this right now. I have to think about this, but I'm, hold, I'm okay. Not hold huge on, hold on. on. The there is to be, okay. Let's. Hold on. You'd be you'd be smelling for like a few days at least. Okay, but like, <laughs> I don't know how to justify this, but something about like a pile of manure. It just feels like I don't know. It's of the earth even though it's from a cow. Or, I get it. Or, but versus people put tobacco in their mouths, like 50 people, and yeah. separately spit into one bucket, and now that's yeah, on it's, you. It's that pretty feel, gross. That feels terrible to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's pretty gross. Yeah, Biff Tannen gets that on his chest. Or, the, or Buford Tannen. And that's the exact same logic I have with Sideways. We're like, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and he does, it's not even like, whoops, I spilled. He do, He's like, I'm going to make a point now. This is what I'm doing. And it's yeah, like, oh my in, God. Yeah. In uh, sideways, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. so, well, that was a good. That was a good. Uh, uh, good stuff. Product. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> good, good stuff. Uh, good movies to go to go watch if you haven't seen sideways. <laughs> Back to the future part three and sideways. There's, yeah. there's a there's a wonderfully 
a wonder a wonderfully uh well done character study with all, with all kinds of pathos of what have you within sideways and there's also a big terrible scene of him drinking the worst wine possible oh, gosh. So. <laughs> yeah yeah that that movie had a lot of uh, buzz around it uh back in the day so, yeah I, I watched it during uh lockdown because i hadn't seen it uh-huh. since 2004 isn't thomas Hayden church in that movie too he's great yeah he was yeah. he was uh, he was nominated for that movie he's great he, both he of was... them now spider-man universe both <laughs> Spider-Man different spider man but same year, but that, yeah I, i'm surprised virginia madsen isn't in that one yet <laughs> put, put her as the next aunt may no she's um, in the Ganymede universe <laughs> okay fine yeah, yeah. <laughs> and those don't cross over except no. they do because ted Raimi is in Candyland <laughs> and the spider-man universe so there <laughs> but... boom six degrees of ted Raimi. <laughs> um but yeah, okay. So holdovers, <laughs> see it, see it in theaters. Yeah, as soon as you can. Do you know if this is already its widest release? It's it, yeah. I would. It's it's wide this weekend. I would assume unless it gets like some kind of huge bump after like whatever nominations come out or whatnot, this will be about as wide as it gets. Yes. Um, so yeah, see it while you can. Yeah, please do. All right. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for this bonus episode of Out Now with Thunder Name. You can find uh, all my work in my personal blog, com, and everything I do at Legal Entertainment and on Twitter and PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff over my Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash moose. Hashtag, I couldn't remember what he said. I guess I'll just go with, uh, you know, oh, well, now now it's I'm ruining everything. So, <laughs> um, hold on. I'll leave all this in and double it. No! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what's the champagne of beers? Was it was it Bud Light or? Oh, I can't remember that. Miller but... Miller High Life, yeah, Miller High Probably, Life. Probably, yeah, there it is. Yeah. Hashtag no no ad no free ads. Miller High Life, the champagne of beers. Okay, thank you. Um, this podcast can be found everywhere you can find podcasts. Everywhere you can find podcasts. Uh, but if you give us a review on Spotify or iTunes, that'd be great. And uh, yeah, that's gonna do it for this bonus episode. Stay tuned. We have plenty of other bonus shows coming up. I think next goal wins will be our next bonus episode, along with our commentary for the month, which will be mm-hmm. for Alfred Hitchcock's Shadow of a Doubt, just in time for Noir Vember. Um, and of course, our main episodes are up there as well. But yeah, uh, thank you for listening. Um, and that's gonna do it for this week's episode. So until next time, so long. Hey, goodbye. I listen to the wind, to the wind of my soul. Where I'll end up, well, I think only God really knows. I've sat upon the setting sun, but never, 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 never. I never wanted water once, never, never, never. Listen to my words, but they fall far below. I let my music take me where my heart wants to go. I swam upon the devil's lake, but never, 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 I'll never make the same mistake.